Almighty God, you who have created this vast universe, and yet we know that its days are numbered, and our days are numbered upon this earth. Father, we ask for minds and hearts that would hear your sobering word this afternoon, that we could awake out of our distraction and our sleep, and that we would be ready for that day. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, as the uh, brother was uh, meditating on Cain, but uh, he mentioned that in that character, he understood why even the threat of being on the brink of global nuclear war may not be enough to really cause someone to take serious stock of their spiritual state and where they are with God. Um, I just wanted to read, uh, inspired me to read a little bit out of 2 Peter 3. That's the very last chapter in the second book of Peter and then one additional verse. So 2 Peter, for John, um, and let's just start uh, verse 3 here. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. And just turning back a few pages, read with me the very last verse of the book of James. James 5, verse 20. Let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way 
shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. A uh, few weeks ago, um, my family and I went out east on a trip. In the very first day of our trip, we were in the port of Halifax. And uh, where on that day we were kind of reminded, we went to the museums and we saw three great tragedies that impacted that city. One of which was the Titanic. Uh, the Titanic happened not too far off the shores of, of Halifax and, and there was a graveyard there where uh, many of those uh, were buried who uh, perished in that great tragedy and happened in 1912. And um, I think there's a number of lessons still to be learned from what happened on that day. Not only what happened on that boat, but on the surrounding ships and their various attitudes and roles in saving those who could be saved. Um, we read here that salvation is a given, that the sinner, if not saved and converted, will die. We read earlier that this world is hurtling towards a day of judgment that will be worldwide cataclysmic and will, there will be nothing left. The very atoms will be split apart and destroyed. Uh, and yet, what is our attitude towards that coming day? Are we looking for and hasting toward that day? Or are we like the scoffers who think, I've heard it said so many times. I hear so many conspiracy theories. I don't know what to believe. Things just seem to be the same today as yesterday. I'm just going to pretend like this is all there is, is what I see. <clears throat> that attitude of confidence or disregard you know, could be compared with the attitude of those who are boarding that Titanic. Uh, I heard it say that, you know, one woman boarding the Titanic asked the, the um, steward or whoever it was that was welcoming him, is it true what they say that, that this ship is unsinkable? And the uh, staff member, the crew member, uh, responded by saying, lady or ma'am, even God himself could not sink the ship. And we can imagine with that audacity, similar to the audacity we heard this morning of Cain, you know, yet that is the audacity with which we disregard the judgment of God, whether we are saved or not saved. Boarding that ship, there were many different classes of people. In fact, as we went to the museum, there was kind of, they had these little mini wind, 
rooms where, you know, this is what the third class passenger room was, you know, a couple of small bunks, you know, four of them in a, in a room, and this is what the second class room looked like, and here's the first class room with its four-poster bed and ornate carved everything, and here's what it cost, you know, a good, I don't know, multiple of six times, it was like it was $30 for the third class versus some, th I don't know how many hundreds for the, the first class room. And uh, you could kind of see the different levels of service, the different level of honor, you know, the titles, some of the, the richest men in the world, uh, Astor, um, who was, you know, a mogul, American mogul uh, of, of quite some means. I don't know if it was the richest, but certainly one of them, you know, was on the board. Everybody who was somebody wanted to be on that maiden voyage of the most glamorous ship ever built. And uh, yet, when it got to the other side, there were tulips, not sorted by rank and title and wealth and, and uh, privilege. Um, there was just the saved and the lost. And uh, I've heard it tell that from those who were on board uh, or, or who, were, who survived, of course, those who were on board had brought their riches with them um, and uh, were very reluctant to leave them behind. And yet, there were not enough lifeboats made in, in the, the, the presumption, and, and uh, you know, they, they didn't want them to clutter the decks, apparently. So they didn't build too many lifeboats. There was only so many lifeboats required. And the fact that this ship was several orders of magnitude bigger than previous ships and that rule didn't make sense for a ship that side. We we're going to stick to the rules and only build the minimum amount of lifeboats. And so there wasn't enough. And so these lifeboats were filled to capacity in the freezing ice-filled waters um, off the, the uh, coast there of Newfoundland. And, um, and yet people wanted to bring their stuff in. Or and, and the very oarsmen had to smack the hands of, of, the, of, the, of those who were in the lifeboat and wanted to reach out and, and bring into the lifeboat various rich artifacts floating by, by as the, that boat broke up and spilled out all those riches to float in among the ice. But having brought in those things, they would have not only risked their own life, but the life of all others in the sh ship. They had to leave it behind. Even so, we need to be careful what we bring into this lifeboat of our, of our um, church here. But what I wanted to, to focus on, I think we've heard those points made before. Let him that know with he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Apparently, there were three different ships in the area. The first ship, we don't have exact confirmation of. There's some controversy because they never admitted they were in the area. <clears throat> it was called the Samson. I think it was out of Finland. And uh, it's claimed that uh, they were actually pretty close by, the closest to the Titanic, but they were hunting seals illegally. 
and therefore did not want to be exposed for their illegal activity and did not respond to the distress calls and quietly disappeared from the area. How many of us Christians does God call upon to get involved in rescuing those who are perishing, who are destined for this judgment, and yet we disqualify ourselves by the things that we allow into our lives, the, the entertainment, the things we allow in our ear gate, our eye gate, the, 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 the things that uh, we permit ourselves that end up disqualifying ourselves. I just want to read a verse from Romans 14. <clears throat> the second last verse, 22. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. There is danger that we disqualify ourselves. The things that we allow end up sidelining us in this 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 um, it's not uh, trying to come with a word that you know this is not just life and death this is eternal life and death of people around us and yet the small things that we think you know nobody will know end up costing us the opportunity to participate and to save a soul from death and hide a multitude of sins. There was another boat in the area, the Californian. We know it was there. It's all in the logs. It came out in detail through the, the many uh, trials and uh, court sessions thereafter. See, the Californian... Um, reached the ice fields first. And uh, a couple hours earlier at 10.20 had sent out a wireless that was the only uh, kind of electronic communication they had in the day. So, um, they sent it out at 10.20 that they were entering ice fields and were warning all the ships in the area that of, uh, of the ice. And as a result, they had decided to stop and wait Till morning so they could navigate that safely. The Titanic did receive that wireless message, um, but they were kind of busy. Uh, they, they were, um, the, the wireless operators you see, they were compensated and not by the, the um, company, not by doing work for the captain and the safety of the ship. They were being paid by how many messages they could transmit for the, the customers. Or for the, and so they were going through, I don't know how many hundred uh, trivial, you know, you know postcard-like updates to family and friends to uh, Cape uh, uh, Brace, I think it was, off of Newfoundland was their closest transmission station, and they were just in the middle of getting that in there and, and, and this close nearby kind of was a blast because was the, the signal overwhelmed them because it was just actually about 10 miles away. Um, and so they just rudely said, be quiet in, in, in less uh, polite words. You know, you're, you're, you're interrupting us. I'm, I'm communicating 
with Cape Brace, be quiet. You and I sometimes might also feel like we're trying to communicate the truth to people and it's unwelcome. We might even provoke um, you know, a very negative response. We, we heard this morning from Brother Doug shared there at the conclusion about how, you know, we can expect that. Because people's works are unrighteous, they will hate us also. You can, but you, you can imagine the corollary of someone who's, who's just so busy going through their social media feed, don't interrupt me now with concerns of my soul salvation, I'm busy. Right? But that's the level of triviality that caused the Titanic to miss the fact that they were heading for an iceberg. So on the side of those who might be receiving those messages of warnings, I, I, I ask you to consider that. And on the part of those who might be transmitting those messages, I would ask you not to do what the Californian did said we tried we sent out the message the wireless operator you know decided to go to bed for the night and it was an hour later that the Titanic hit ice and those 16 com watertight compartments that made it unsinkable even if four of those watertight compartments filled with water. This ship was designed not to sink, yet five were filled. And that was too much. And, uh, but there was, as at midnight, the Titanic finally recognizes its doom, recognizes that all that engineering of this massive, largest ship ever built was not going to save it from its doom was frantically sending out those messages for help. But the Californian, whose lights they could clearly see 10 miles away, did not hear them. The captain was still on board the ship of the Californian and saw the lights of a rather large steamer some distance away. It says, oh, let's try to, don't, don't bother waking up the wireless operator, just send some Morse code signals by lantern. And, and, you know, but the Titanic didn't respond. Don't know if they were not seen. Um, there is some sort of effect of, of uh, icy water that distorts um, uh, the light. And whether that was to blame or, or what, but no message was sent or received as they watch and said that just that ship looks funny it looks like the it's like at an angle or the lights are are are, are, are not usual and oh look it's even shooting out flares but those don't look like distress signals they're only the color white they can't be right no no i don't think we need to really do anything we'll just wait sometimes we think We've done our part. We've sent out our message. It wasn't well received. 
Sometimes the message we're, we're sending are, are in, un, in, in unclear ways. And, and maybe there's hurt feelings. Maybe there's even a sense of, you know, of, 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 well, why should I bother with someone who thinks they're more important than me, that someone who thinks they've got, someone who's been critical, someone who's been harsh with me, someone who, you know, thinks they're better. But that's not how the world saw the attitudes of Captain Lord of the Californian, who was in a position, some would say, to have rescued many, if not all, of those on the Titanic, and just watched. I pray that when I'm called to account for my role in converting the sinner from his way, heir's way, and saving a soul from death, that I'm not in the category of the Californian where I make excuses, where I interpret the obvious signs of distress in ways that, well, I don't think they really need me to intervene. There must be a more convenient time. I'll wait till morning to find out what's going on. I'll wait till the wireless operator actually wakes up. <clears throat> no need to disrupt the sleep. I pray that I would not be the Christian who makes excuses instead of getting involved. <clears throat> the third ship that was involved that night was the Carpathian. The Carpathian was some 58 miles to the south. And uh, by God's grace, the wireless operator was 10 minutes late and was untying his shoes at 12.15 with the, with the headphones still on and got that message that the Titanic was in distress. Woke up the captain, Arthur Rostrum, I think it was, who at first didn't believe that such a thing was possible, but after verifying it, um, made, woke up the entire ship. Well, uh, well, not the passengers, but he woke up all the crew. He got all the, the, the stoking men to stoke those engines to full power and to go full speed. In fact, he shut off the heat to the, 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 all the passengers and everything. All steam was to go not for comfort, but everything was going to go into the speed and power of that ship because he figured it would take him approximately four hours to get those 58 miles to the scene of the crisis. And uh, they started preparing all the dining rooms, the three dining rooms with doctors and ready for to take in those who had wounded. They got the windows ready to sling in those who were um, who had infants and children. They got the lifeboats ready to throw overside. They were prepared. Everyone, the, the, the meals and hot soup was being prepared. Everything was ready. He was efficient. And he was plowing through those waters at 14 knots, well above the capacity of that boat. And remember, these are the waters that just sank the Titanic. These waters are full of ice. And it is dark, and they are seen by starlight alone, 
what might possibly send them to their own tragedy. But later on, the Captain Rostrum reported there was a hand other than mine on that wheel and that he was able to get there without incident, without regard to his own safety, without regard to his comfort, the comfort of his crew that had made all those sacrifices, even the comfort of the passengers was sacrificed in the process. And they arrived at 4.30 and were able by 8.30, the last person rescued was rescued. We can see there's a different attitude of one who's willing to make sacrifices and take risks and recognizes the dire need and for the dire need of those perishing in those icy waters is willing to, to do all. The Californian did wake up at, I believe it was around 4.30, they them, the, woke up the wireless operator, found out that, oh, the Titanic had actually been sending distress calls and was sinking. And yet they quietly tried to make progress with their own ice field and, and then don't know whether they felt guilty. They did end up turning around. They did end up coming to the scene at 8.30 in the morning after the last survivor had been picked up. And they were there to pick through the wreckage and make sure that there was no other survivors, but it was too late. <clears throat> so, we have three different options that we can relate to. Are we going to be among those that, that disqualify ourselves by our choices? Are we going to be among those that make excuses because we don't want the inconvenience or maybe we allow hurt feelings or jealousy or uh, the past to interfere with our getting involved with saving the sinner from his way? Or we'll be like the Carpathian who makes all speed at all sacrifice to save as many as we can. Dear friend, can you imagine yourself hearing that scrape, that screech of ice against metal? The division line between a life full of ease and glamour where you are having the best vacation on the planet, the best food and the best atmosphere and the best luxury, to finding yourself doomed to an icy grave. What do you think will change in your priorities? How long would you resist that reality from being like acknowledging that that's actually what's going on be in denial because it's a lot more comfortable to be on a luxury cruise than to be hours from an icy death 
But as the reality sinks in, what are your choices going to be? Is it going to be to preserve stuff, things, status, the things that have kept you from being saved, or are you going to put that salvation first? Are you going to make sure that despite the fact that many around are also in denial, that you make your way to a lifeboat, that you commit yourself? Remember, there are but two lists at the end of eternity. Make sure you're on the one that says saved.